We bless the Lord for this gathering in his presence. And I thank the Lord for your life, for your faithfulness, and for showing up. Hallelujah. It is important that we recognize the fact that when it comes to this very time of gathering, we don't take it for granted. Because God is always at work. Hallelujah. One thing I know is he's always at work. The word has said it, so it is. Hallelujah. I said the word has said it, so what? It is. I don't need any other argument. The word of the Lord has said he is always at work. His son Jesus Christ, that my father is always at work. So as far as I am concerned, God is always at work. When you think that he has forgotten about you, I came to announce to you that he has not forgotten about you. Because he is at work. Hallelujah. I want us to read the scriptures from the book of Exodus chapter 3. And we'll read all the way down to verses 12. And then tomorrow I'll continue. Amen. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will, turn, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush, and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is a holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look unto God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their tax masters, for I know their sorrow. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the, that land to a good and large land. You didn't say amen to that. To a land flowing with milk and honey. To the land, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Verses 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? 
So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. So most of the time when we deal with the subject of divine appointments, what our first focus really is that God needs to show up. Divine appointment, our mind just goes straight into the place of saying, God, show up. But I came to reveal and speak some, some truth to you. The truth and honest is that God does not need to show up. Because God is God. He is present everywhere. He is all-knowing God. You get it? You don't need to plead to God to show up. He is sovereign. So it is important that we go behind the topic of the divine appointment more than what we have been accustomed to that God should show up. God is here before you and I came in. But the importance that we need to ask ourselves in divine appointment is our response to his showing up. How we respond to God. You get it. So it is important that we look at this very place because if we are always in the attitude that God should show up, then we become passive Christians. But God has called us to be active Christians. You get it. Meaning that we shall what? Live by what? By faith. You get it. Meaning that we don't need to do something after we have seen it come into existence. We walk by faith. Because God has called us to be active in his things. Hallelujah. Amen. So tell your neighbor that divine appointment means you and I need to show up. Now in the mix of divine appointment, especially from Exodus chapter 3, I love this chapter very much because it reveals to us three very important applications to our life. One, it shows us the measure of God's love. The very intensity of God's love. Verses 7, the Bible says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their what? Sorrow. He loved them to the extent that he testified that I have seen my people in Charlottesville. He loved you to the extent that he did not forget about you in this very small city. But even in this very small city, he says that I have seen my people. God has seen what you are going through. That is the intensity of God's love. The Bible says that his love is so wide, so deep, so high. So no matter where you find yourself, the love of God is always searching after you. 
The love of God is always thinking about you. God was thinking about his people of, of Israel. Because he had given them, to them a promise. Secondly, it reveals to us the extent of God's mercy. God's mercy. Verses 8, the word of the Lord says, So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land and to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites. Study this again. I have what? So I have come what? Down. The mercy of God. This is one of the places that we need to really understand. God's mercy is really him taking an active participation in what you need. Yeah. A lot of times, we, the, the reason why we pray and the Bible says that his mercy endures forever is because we need the mercy of God. You see, his mercy is what causes him to come down to you. He steps to your place. His mercy is what causes him to step to your level. So when you think that you don't even deserve it, his mercy shows up. When you think that he has, you have been forsaken by everybody else, his mercy shows up. But his mercy does not just show up, just to show up. But he says that he came down and what? He what? Took them from the place of Egypt and he's taking them to what? A better land. A lot of times when somebody shows mercy to you, they only show mercy to you for an instant moment. But God's mercy is not just for the instant moment. But he takes you and then positions you to a different place. Exodus chapter 3. The third application in this very place that we need to learn. It also reveals to us the very foreknowing will of God. And I love this story so much because it reveals to us the, the very foreknowledge will of God. If you read from Exodus chapter 1, chapter 2, it starts to tell you the story of be, the beginning of Moses. He was born in a time of great destruction, whereby Pharaoh has sent a word for all the young men to be destroyed. The men of Israel, the young, small, the, the new born babies, the sons to be what? To be destroyed. But in the midst of that destruction, God so preserved Moses. You didn't get me. You have to understand the foreknowledge will of God is that you could have been destroyed a year ago. You went through something that could have put you down. But because God knew you before you were born, because God had a will concerning your life, he had a will concerning you, not anybody's will, but his will, because he is your creator. He had a will concerning you. 
that death could not take away Moses prematurely. But he was preserved by his mother for three months. And in the midst of that three months, when his mother realized that he could not carry Moses any longer, because it was part of the will of God, Moses ended up having to be in the house of the destroyer himself. Sometimes in the mix of your life and your situations, you may find yourself in the mix of the fire itself. But I came to tell somebody here that whilst you are in the mix of the fire, be rest assured that as long as you are in the will of the Lord, As long as you are living in the will of the Lord, you can be in the fire, but the fire cannot consume you. I'm getting somewhere with this. The foreknowledge will of God. You may look at your life and say, Who am I? I mean, look at, look, I should have been dead by now, but you are still here. You are still here because there is something called the foreknowledge will of God. His will that predestined us. His will that called us. His will that have glorified us. But that is not where the Lord wants us to deal with today. We are going to pray. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to be praying. Oh, you see, they are not seeing it. Tell your neighbor, I am going to be praying. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't want us to get stuck here of just dealing with that very thing of knowing that God has a will for us. Because I think we have dealt so much with this that most of the time is unfortunate by a lot of Christians, yet we have come to know God, but we have not been rooted in him. You get it? We know God, but yet we have not been rooted in him. So it is important that we understand that this, this very version of the scripture, the Lord is revealing to us about divine appointment, it roots us in knowing what his purpose is for us. So today what the Lord has, has, has sent me to deal with is the subject of the adherence to the appointment. Adherence to what? The appointment. If you are taking notes, the Lord bless you. Amen. Those who are not taking notes, I'll be praying for you. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Those who don't also have their Bible, I'll be doing healings for you as well. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. We have come to study the word. Now I want to teach this word. We want to deal with the very topic or the subject, adherence to what? The appointment. I said the divine appointment is not so much about God showing up, but it's about your response to his appointment. You see, in my, in my clinic, we schedule patients when they are leaving the hospital. Some of them, because of the critical condition of their illness, that we see them after they have left the hospital when they go home. They need to come back to clinic for us to see that. But it's so ironic that so many of the times, those who need to be seen again don't show up. 
And then all of a sudden, after some weeks, they show up in emergency departments. More sicker. Hi. But if they had shown up earlier to their appointments, some things could have been dealt with. So the issue is not about God not showing up. The issue is about our response to showing up. Our adherence to the appointment. Hallelujah. The definition of the word adherence simply means the process of sticking fast onto an object or a person. Sticking fast to an object or what? A person. So I want us to look once again in verses 10 of the same scripture of Exodus. The word of the Lord says, Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of what? Egypt. Come now. We need to ask ourselves this question. Are we willing to respond when God says, come now? We have become so accustomed to so many things. Busy for so many things. But when God says, come now, are we willing to come now? It was not an option of saying that come now and then I will come later on. God is saying, Moses, come now. Because why? He has heard the cry of his people. And there is a need for him to activate his will now. So the question that we ask ourselves is that are we willing to respond when God says, come now? Are we willing to respond? Because God is always going to show up. But are we willing to respond when he says, come now. Come now. You see, we need to understand this coming now because in the same word, in, in Genesis 12, this same word, or this, the, the same definition of this word, come now, was revealed when God spoke to Abraham and said, leave your father's home and go to the place I'm going to send you. You see, we cannot afford many of the times in our life as children of God we cannot afford to just say, well, I will deal with the things of God this way. I will, I will, I will do it when I, I, am, I am available to do it. I will do it this certain way. There is, the key is, how do we respond unto his calling? Because if we don't understand how to respond to the calling of God, then the way we live our life as children of God will be, will, will, will be skewed. I want to, I want to, I'm going to teach this here so you can understand this. A lot of times the Bible says that the harvest is what? Plenty. But the labors are what? Yeah. Oh, you didn't say that to yourself. The labors are what? Oh, say it louder. There's nothing wrong saying the word of God. Preach it to yourself. The labors are what? Yeah. Come now. And then verses 11 came. And what did Moses say? 
Verses 11. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? It's so easier for us to sometimes find ourselves saying these same things. The way we respond to God, who are we? What we are not careful of is that this is an, we activate a disbelief in seeing the sovereignty of God concerning who he has said we are in him. Can I say that again? Who am I? Who am I? You are the one that God has called. You are the one that God has elected. You see, sometimes in the moment of, the, of, the, of thinking about who am I, you have to look beyond the fact that if you're not very careful, you are walking in a place of unbelief. Because who am I? Then you are dealing and seeing that the one who has called you is not faithful. But the one who has called you is faithful. The word of God says in the book of Philippians, says that he who has called you will bring it to what? To an expected end. Moses had forgotten that God said in his word in verses 8. He says that what? I what have what? Come down. So it was not about Moses doing it. It was about God working through Moses. But Moses needed to see that very thing. And a lot of times we are not able to see that. That God is willing to work be in us. But then we say, who am I? Me, I can't do nothing. God cannot use me to do this. I cannot preach. I cannot pray. I cannot do this. There's a lot we can't do. Because we let ourselves stick in the very place of disbelief. That is where today we want to focus on. Because if we are not careful that if we let that attitude sit in our life, we will start to walk in unbelief. Yeah. Tell your neighbor, not I. A lot of times we have become accustomed to, who am I? Who am I? Moses, how do you, you were even afraid to look at God. And he says that he is sending you to Pharaoh. You're going to question, who am I? All we do is to bow and to respond to the will of the Lord. This is a greater place that we struggle with as children of God. A lot of disbelief that God cannot use us. As for me, I don't think God can ever use me. No. He is God. He can cause the stone to even praise him. Everybody here needs to have this understanding that you don't let who am I to become a disbelief character in you. That when God calls you, you refuse to even go. 
I want us to continue. One of these, you know, scriptures in the Bible that I really weep when I read it is Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 30. The word of the Lord says that I search for a man among them who will repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so that I might not destroy it, but I found no one. I search for a man who will what? Repair the wall and stand in the gap, but he finds what? No one. It's about time that the church we respond to this very word. That we respond to the very place of knowing that we have to what? Avail ourselves for God to use us to be the one to stand in the gap. Hallelujah. Amen. It always amazes me because in the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark chapter 10 verse 45, it says that for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if Jesus Christ, whom we have come to believe, came to serve, then we who have been, have, have been called sons of God, serving God, should be the norm for us. Yeah. So continuously, we are in a place that we are always asking God, give us. Give us, give us, give us. God did not give you his will and his spirit for you to just lay dormant. God has given unto you his spirit. You carry this with power and authority to do his will. Hallelujah. This very thing, the reason why this is very important for us at this place of unbelief is this is that if we are not very careful and we are living in a very place of unbelief, we may find ourselves not being able to do what God has called us to do. Let's read the scripture real quick. Let's go to the book of Romans chapter 11. Verses 20. Romans 11, verses 20. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. This is talking about the people of Israel. And thou stands by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear God. The people of Israel were broken off. We, the Gentiles, were engrafted into Christ because of faith. But they were broken off. Some were broken off because of what? Unbelief. So it is important that we, 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 we understand this very carefully. That we don't let unbelief reign in our hearts. We have to be very careful that we don't let unbelief become part of us. Because God has called us to what? To believe. He says that those who, are, who believe are what? The sons of God. 
So your position in Jesus depends on your level of belief. Amen? Amen. Mark chapter 16, verse 16, the gospel of the, the, the word of the Lord says, He who believes is, is, and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be what? Condemned. And these signs will follow those who what? Believe. These signs. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will speak, they will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly, it will, not, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will what? Recover. Who are these people? Those who what? Believe. So God has called us to what? Believe. It's not an option for us. That we allow sometimes when we are, do, we are living our life, today I believe, tomorrow I don't believe. Take the book the, into Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. I want to teach this really quick. And go to verses 19. Actually, if you can have the whole scripture, 19, 20, 21, you, can you have it? Ed? I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will soup him with him and will sit with him and be he be with me. To him that overcome, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame. And I'm set and and I'm set down with my father in his throne. The church of the Odisha was a church that was walking in lukewarm. Today I am on fire for God. Tomorrow I am cold for God. And the word of the Lord says that, Behold, I stand at the door. Why does the Lord have to stand at the door? Waiting for someone to open. Because there are days that we don't believe enough. And there are days that we truly believe. I hope you are understanding this. But the word of the Lord says, If any man hears my voice, if we can hear the voice of the Lord, he says, I will come in and I will come and sit with you. Tonight it is my prayer that if we are going to be adherent to hear the voice of God and ask God to help us, then our life will be transformed. 
that our everyday step, our everyday situations will be changed. Those who walk upon scorpions are those who believed. Not just today, but every day of their life, they believe. Gospel of Mark, and I want us to rise on our feet right now. We are about to pray. The Gospel of Mark. Let's all rise on our feet. Verses 9. To 23, verses 23, chapter 9, verses 23 to 25. Jesus replied to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. All things are what? Possible to them that what? Believe. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, with tears. Lord, I believe. Help my what? Unbelief. When Jesus saw that, the people came running together. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to, him, to it, death and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. All things are what? Possible. To him that what? Believe. Say to yourself, all things are possible. Not some things. Not some things. All things. All things are possible. It's about time we look at this is not just one thing is possible. Not just two things are possible for God. But all things, your healing, all things, your miracles, all things are possible. We need to step out of the place of disbelief to the place of believing in him, that he is faithful. We need to step out of the place of disbelief and know that day after day we surrender everything under his feet. Because we believe that all things is only possible through him. Without him, it can't be possible. But with him, it is possible. I may not see it today. But as long as his word has said it, so it is. If his word says that all things, then all my matters, I will take it to him. All my situations, I will take it to him. But the church needs to pray that the Lord will help us in our place of unbelief. The Lord will help us to come out of our unbelief. It is about time that we live as children of God because it is the place of belief that we enter into the inheritance of Christ because as you believe, so he also does it for you. Hallelujah. He said that we are what? Sons of God. The gospel of John chapter 1, verses 12 going, says that he came to his own, but his own could not what? Receive him. But to all who believed in him, to all who believed in him, he called them what? 
sons of God. So we are praying tonight that in the year of 2018, any unbelief that has entangled us in our work with Jesus, we are praying for the divine presence of God. We are praying for the empowerment of the Holy Ghost to help us in our unbelief. In the mighty name of Jesus,